Praise the Lord. It's chat time again. Yes, praise the Lord. It is chat time once again. Now, this week we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So it's time now for our little segment in the program where we ask, did, did you ever wonder where this phrase came from? And, you know, I've heard people say, boy, he's as old as the hills, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I never knew that it came from the Bible. You can find it in Job chapter 15, verse 7. And it makes me chuckle when I read this. Art thou the first man that was born? Or was thou made before the hills? <laughs> I believe that's what the Lord is telling me. Yeah, are you old, as old as the hills? <laughs> anyway, now you know where that came from. So I want to talk about current events, but, you know, I want to talk about some not-so-current events before I go into the uh, most recent ones. And someone sent me this article, and it uh, talks about how religious leaders were gathering in Sinai to receive Climate Justice Ten Commandments. Hmm? Yeah. It's like uh, they're looking to receive... Ten Commandments, I don't know, from the Lord or, or, or whatever. But um, this happened, the people gathered on November 13th of uh, last year. Some 40,000 
Attendees flocked to the Sinai Desert, including over 100 world leaders, as well as leaders in business and other sectors, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, and other religious figures participated in the UN Conference on Climate Change. If they had gotten together to repent, it would have been much more to their advantage. You know. So it was a Sunday. Yeah. And I guess that what they did, they had oh, it was a, Sunday. a couple of tablets. Uh-huh. And then they smashed these tablets. Oh, that's so silly. But I thought that they were going to gather together and just pray they, and yeah, see if the Lord would answer them. They picked Sunday because Friday sundown to Saturday sundown would have been the Sabbath, so they didn't do it then. So, so they decided to meet on a Sunday, but it would have been much more to their advantage, to their salvation, soul salvation, if they had come together to praise the Lord. They just came and basically just did a demonstration according to their own will and their own standard and their own way. And then they did come up with their own um, ten Ten, yeah, right. So the Lord didn't give it to them. They just they could have stayed at home. <laughs> so I'm going to go through them real quick. So number one is we are stewards of this world. Okay. Number two, creation manifests divinity. Number three, everything in life is interconnected. Number four, do no harm. Number five, look after tomorrow. Number six, rise above ego for our world. Number seven, change our inner climate. Number eight, repent and return. Number nine, every action matters. And number 10, we use mind and open our hearts. Number 11, God's commandments were sufficient. You didn't have to come up with 10 other types of commandments because they would hold nothing compared to what God requires of us. That is so silly. Anyway, moving on. There's, somebody sent me this article from endtimeheadlines.org. And it's earlier in uh, December where it says, a federal court blocked Biden administration from forcing Christian doctors to perform transsexual mutilation surgeries. A federal court dealt a significant blow to the Biden administration's leftist medical agenda, sparing Christian doctors and religious hospitals from being forced to perform sex change mutilations and abortions in violation of their conscience and better judgment. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit agreed with the district court's opinion that the Obamacare mandate requiring the facilitation of sex changes posed irreparable harm to the plaintiff's exercise of religion. The court ultimately found the transsexual mandate unlawful and granted a coalition of Catholic healthcare professionals and a permanent injunction. They will no longer face multi-million dollar penalties for keeping their consciences clear. Right, because, you know, basically they could walk into a hospital that, that is dedicated to the preservation of life and demand an abortion. <laughs> if they hadn't done that, that's ridiculous. And this next article, I heard this before. I think I heard it on the news, and then I saw it on the Newsbreak app on my phone, and, and then someone sent me this article. The head of a... Christian pro-family group in Virginia 
says that a local restaurant refused service to the organization uh, recently over its views on marriage and abortion. Victoria Cobb, president of the Family Foundation, said that the staff at Metzger Bar and Butchery in Richmond refused to serve to service the group's pre-reserved event where they had planned to gather supporters for fellowship and updates on their work. Cobb told the Christian Post that one of Metzger's owners contacted her team about 90 minutes before the event and said that they needed to cancel. At first, Cobb said that a team member was told that the wait staff had looked up our organization and refused to serve the group. But a short time later, the restaurant issued a statement citing our views on traditional marriage and valuing unborn, citing our views of, on traditional marriage and valuing unborn human life. That statement, which was posted on Metzger's social media pages, said the owners decided after they learned the group had donated to a political organization that seeks to deprive women and LGBTQ plus persons of their basic human rights in Virginia. It wasn't immediately clear to which group the restaurant statement was referring. We have always refused to serve anyone for making our staff uncomfortable or unsafe. I would say thank you for letting me know this because you don't tell them what they would have done to that food. I would say well, thank you. No, I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you letting me know your biases and prejudices. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know. Uh, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> 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 if they had gone in there, probably would have been spitting in the food and doing everything else, throwing a hamburger on the floor, stepping on it, <laughs> putting it back in the bun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, because so. I wouldn't want to. Even if they said, "Well, we're sorry, you could come in any time," I would say, "Oh no, <laughs> I would never go." No in more. No. Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting. I don't know if anyone has any dealings with Chase. Uh, Chase bank account or or whatever it says that this came from the Christian Post as well. A nonpartisan faith-based nonprofit organization led by former United States Ambassador for Religious Freedom says its Chase bank account was abruptly closed with little explanation. The National Committee for Religious Freedom, a 501c4 political action nonprofit whose stated mission is focused on defending the right of everyone in America to live one's faith freely, opened an account with Chase in April of last year. And Sam Brownback, he's a former U.S. ambassador, um, NCRF, which is that National Committee for Religious Freedom chairman and former... um, U.S. Ambassador, under the Trump administration, wrote in a piece published by the Christian Post that initially they had a very positive experience with the bank, but less than three weeks after it was opened, Chase informed them on May 6th that the bank would be closing their account. Brownback said there was never an official cause given, Hmm. and... um, they reached out for more information on the move and was told that the decision was made at the corporate level. It's secret. It's irrevocable. And that's all the information we got. 
He also, Brownback also served as a U.S. Senator and Governor of Kansas from 2011 and 2018. So after Chase employees initially told them they were prohibited from providing any explanations for the move, the bank later said that the National Committee for Religious Freedom um, failed to provide requested documentation within 60 days, even, the count, even though the account had been open for 20 days. After looking further into the issue, a representative from the Chase Executive Office identified only as Chichi contacted <laughs> Murph okay. and explained that it might be possible to continue the business relationship no if they could provide some further details about their nonprofit's political activities. If they could provide those to Chase, then they could potentially consider reopening. I would the say account. no. That's okay. There's, there's more than one bank, you know, in these yet to be United States. No way. They were able to open up an, a new account at a different bank. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, two spokespeople for Chase did not return a request for comment um, to the Christian Post. Um, so it seems like now the private sector is trying to retaliate against mm-hmm. people who are pro-life. So Brownback said after the ordeal, he believes it's time for Congress to hold a series of hearings investigating business, particularly big corporations that exclude people and try to find out why. Based upon their, their views. Yeah, their religious beliefs. That's what, it, that's what it apparently looks like. So it's like cancel culture trying to be in, you know, yeah. in the... Corporate America, right? If they can debank the, um, if they can debank the National Committee for Religious Freedom, a multi-faith religious nonprofit, mm. what happens when they start debanking pastors and Christian right. business people? Which is illegal. You're not supposed to discriminate. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because a lot of people probably have accounts at Chase Bank, right? Who yeah. are pro-life. Yeah. Who probably donate to the particular church that they close the account on? Yeah. And probably, and it's probably going to intense. You know, when that man of sin comes, uh-huh. they're probably going to intense. That's probably a, one of the ways they can Try to c- cut you them. off and control you and yeah. or shut you down. I don't need to say with your bank. Yeah, we don't have to chase you down for no business. Right, that's good. Anyway, moving on. Um, <clears throat> I have a couple of articles here, one from the Christian Post, and I'm not sure where the other one is from. But um, it makes me think about how you need to pay attention to who your pastor is. I mean, is the pastor saved? Are you going to a church that preaches and teaches the truth? And So here, this article says a, a prominent Baptist minister in Louisiana pled guilty in federal court for defrauding his church, a school, and others of approximately $889,000. The Reverend Charles Southall III, the 64-year-old pastor of the First Emmanuel Baptist Church in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, pled guilty to one count of money laundering uh, before the U.S. District Judge. And according to the U.S. Department of Justice announcement, South Paul defrauded FEBC and some of its members in several ways. FEBC is the First Emmanuel Baptist Church. 
The pastor is accused of using donations and tithes for personal expenses, diverting around 150,000 of the income from the rentals of properties owned by his church and its affiliated housing ministries for personal use and diverting funds from a financial account for the Spirit of Excellence Academy to his personal account. Okay. Personal use. Well, okay. What I want to know is how is, is that laundering or do they go further down in the list? In total, South Hall improperly cost approximately $537,805.51 of profit from the sale of the church's real properties and diverted it to his personal benefit improperly without authorization. Okay. So he probably did it. I mean, it belonged to the church. Well, then you should have said theft. That's not laundering. He's not taking dirty money and, and passing it through a legitimate system so that whoever gave him the money or entrusted him with the money can now end up putting monies into their account that officially has a, a supposedly a, a legitimate audit trail. He just basically stole the money. Right. <laughs> that is the bottom yeah. line. Right. So as part of his plea agreement, he agreed to pay restitution, including 85000 $351.97 to the Spirit of Excellent Academy, $687,805.51 to the church, $10,000 to one unnamed victim, and another $106,408.38 to a second victim, unnamed victim. Whatever the charge was, he stole. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way the article is written, I mean, so it's kind of confusing. If you think you're paying your tithes and offerings to the church. Well, the tithes, well, the organization, tithes and offerings disposable to the pastor unless, you're, unless the church is structured so that it's not going to the pastor. But if he's living off of the church, that's what the tithes and offerings are. Well, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whether they knew it or not. Huh? He was. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, legitimately, this is supposed to go to the, the pastor. But maybe it sounds, it, it sounds maybe like it that's was, not he, how it was set up. It set sounds up. like there were other accounts that he wasn't supposed to be, I guess, liquidating. And so, he was liquidating those <laughs> accounts. In September, he was charged with one count of money laundering, which alleged that a pastor improper, improperly transferred $100,000 to a personal investment account in March of 2020. According to the Bill of Information regarding the money laundering account, count, South Hall is to forfeit a 2017 Mercedes-Benz and around $100,000 in proceeds contained in a J.P. Morgan investment held in his name. So I think he was trying to get around how the church was set up or how the bylaws, whatever the bylaws said. Yes. What do you think about this one? South African pastor charges people $1,160 to see God in heaven. <laughs> A South African pastor recently sparked controversy online after it was revealed that he was charging people serious money for real life miracles like seeing God in heaven. He said, if you always wanted to see your maker without actually ending your mortal life, 
This pastor said one of the many, he's one of the many shady pastors in Africa. He claims he can help. He said, if you pay this fee, of course, according to a promotional poster that has been doing the rounds on social media, this pastor has the power to help people see their future in their smartphone, cancel all their financial debt, and even see God. All people had to do is show up for his worship conference and pay the special prayer fees. Did they do it? I guess they did. On, de- on Christmas, this pastor scheduled to host his worship conference, a special event where people can hear his sermons and engage in some truly special prayer. The only problem is that like anything worth having or doing, special prayers don't come cheap. For example, if you want to see God in heaven, people need to play $1,160. If you want all your debt canceled, they need to cough up $290. Now, to get married the very next day, it would be $580. Wow. And to see the future in your smartphone, that'll be $1,160. What a deal to cancel your debt. Almost, to, to see your future is almost equal to the, seeing God. To see the to see your future in a smartphone is about the same price that he's charging you if you want to see God without dying physically. Okay, that's a deal though. Two hundred ninety dollars to cancel out all of your debt. Wow. <laughs> right, it, it, it means you file bankruptcy. That's, that's basically what they're saying. I, I declare. I can't, anyway, I can't believe somebody would would do that. Well, there's a Florida pastor and his son that scammed. $8 million in Woo. COVID aid to buy the, themselves a Disney home. <laughs> a Disney home? Yeah, the... the a the Disney two. home? Yeah, well, it was a large mansion out oh, there, too. Big, okay. large mansion he was trying to get. So authorities say that the men got a PPP loan by falsely claiming their ministry had hundreds of employees. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, they enjoyed it while it lasted. I imagine that the, <laughs> the application was a lie. Mm-hmm. They're charged with six counts of including visa fraud, bank fraud, and conspiracy to commit bank fraud related COVID aid relief and economic security act charge. Uh, I don't know. This goes on and on. But I guess it's the latest in the string of cases where people were convicted or accused of trying to scam the government out of PPP money as the COVID raged the country. Mm-hmm. So as much as $80, $80 billion, or about 10% of the PPP funding, was stolen from the government, mm. according to NBC News. But uh, So I guess they got themselves a big old mansion Close to Disney. I don't know. I'm trying to see. I, I wonder, I saw a picture. I'm not wondering how they thought the government was, would not figure this out. Okay, they're so, not a multi-billion dollar corporation. <laughs> they made the loan application. The defense received into their bank account approximately eight thousand four hundred and seventeen. No, eight million four hundred and seventeen thousand two hundred dollars in PPP loan funds. Ooh. Two months later, the family sought to use $868,250 for a down payment on a $3.7 million home in upscale neighborhood in Orlando. And while the 
the authorities recognized that the money was used to attempt to buy the home, um, the funds were seized and, oh well, they lost the house. Well, of course they did. Uh, but now they're going to make them pay back the money, but they're not going to make Freed pay back all the, all the money he stole in crypto. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But you know, I, if they hadn't been so greedy, and, and I'm not saying, you know, to strengthen the hand of the wicked, but they would have been wiser if they would have left the money in the bank to draw interest, pull the interest out. And because one lady, they said they accidentally put a million dollars into her account, and I don't know what she did, but they couldn't get a hold of it, and she refused to give it back. Mm. <laughs> so, so I guess she probably went to jail, but she probably said, well, it's worth it, because <laughs> I don't know where she put it. But they could not convince her to give it back. Sounds like those Western movies. Yeah. They dug it, dug a hole by put, a tree. And yeah, put it somewhere. <laughs> Bought some gold time in jail. <laughs> and then when they got out, they knew exactly where it was. At least they could have given back the principal. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. At least they could have done that. Well, anyway, I've got um, a couple of more articles I wanted to talk about, but I don't know if we're going to have time to do it. You know, the public libraries are saying okay to the drag queen story hour, mm -hmm. but Kirk Cameron mm -hmm. had uh, written a book, mm -hmm. and they rejected him. Mm. They they okayed the drag queen story hour, but rejected Kirk Cameron reading a book. Mm -hmm. um, this was from... Fox News, um, he wrote a book called As You Grow, and it centers on a character known as Sky Tree that grows to become a protector of Freedom Island. Starting from a seed, Sky Tree has grown into a massive tree through the trials and triumphs along the way. And as you track the growth, giant, the giant's growth, um, the words of wisdom that guided this tree and learn about the love, joy, and gentleness with your family, um, it's supposed to be a learning lesson for children. Mm. But anyway, um, so anyway, he did finally have a reading story hour, um, and it was in Indianapolis Public Library just recently, and uh, hundreds of people packed in to that Indianapolis library to, to hear him read the book. Cameron? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he right. finally got approved by some library for story hour. Isn't that something? Yeah, because the one, the one library he got, um, they told him he couldn't go, you couldn't come here. He said they were LGBTQ queer friendly type of uh, library. It's a public library. Yeah, a public right. library. You know, like he could have somehow well, did anyway, a lawsuit because that's discrimination. Mm -hmm. So another uh, story hour reading is scheduled for January 20th at the Central Kansas Christian Academy in Great Bend. Okay. But that just about wraps up our program for today. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath, praise the Lord. Now, this week's verse of the day comes from 1 Peter 3 and 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready 
always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what did Simeon say to Mary after, the, after he blessed Jesus and his parents? And the answer is, the child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And that answer can be found in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, which reads, And Simeon blessed them, and he said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This week's food for thought is, what did the Lord call Jerusalem? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.